Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast. I'm Noops, and today we're going to talk about the National Basketball Association. Joining me, as always, from the other side of the country, I believe he's got a... Um, what are you drinking tonight, Spread? I know we talked about something last week, and, and you were quite excited about it. I hear a, a, a tinkle, a... a, a, a da- it's, 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 uh, what is that? What do you got there? So you inspired me, because I think you had a nice little uh, party last week, and you had... Uh whiskey and ginger ale and i you know i said you know what i have a lot of uh not the best whiskey let me try this so i tried it last saturday night and i've been hooked i've had at least one whiskey ginger every night since that's fantastic spread welcome to the club (laughs) thank you it is it's wonderful it's nice it's dry gives it kind of a full flavor but we're not here to talk about that i'm sure there are some podcasts that do um just wanted (laughs) to check in on the nba again like we try to do every week check in on some of the bigger topics get you kind of, um, you know, your compass set for the week to come from a gambling perspective, and then we'll do our best to handicap the Thursday night games. Now, the biggest story from the past week or so, in my mind, spread, it sounds like Kevin Love is ready to be traded. This is something that we knew at the beginning of the season, um, but he's been a little more vocal about it, and, you know, whether it's him specifically, his agent, whoever is kind of floating this kind of stuff, but it sounds like he's ready to um, be on the move, and specifically, it sounds like he wants to go to Portland. So kind of two questions here to start, Spread. What do you think about Kevin Love and um, is and his value in the trade market today? And where do you think he might end up? I love how all these guys wait till they get their $30 million contracts to decide that they don't want to be on the team anymore. Because that's a big handicap to his, his trade, right? I mean, that's so much. I mean, even at like 18 or $20 million, you know, there'd be so many possible options. But with 30, at 30 million, there's just a lot. I mean, there's no, really not too many teams that could absorb that without giving up, you know, one of their major pieces and completely like uh, redefining who their team is. So I think yeah, Portland that's... is a good option. Yeah, you make a great point about the salaries, and we'll see that as we start to go through some of the trades, especially with some of the luxury tax rules. Now you have to be pretty close in swapping salaries, so finding 28, almost $29 million can be tough. Yeah. And so Portland is where he said he wants to go. He's from Portland. Um, he plays like he's from Portland. But, um, boy, would their defense just be horrible? <laughs> well, you start to look at the Portland trades here, and the easiest option, I've got the little trade machine up in front of me here, and let me just double check and make <laughs> sure this works. He's the only guy who kind of plays defense, even though he's not that good at it anymore. You could swap him one for one for Whiteside. My guess is, right. you know, um, Cleveland wants some picks there. Whiteside's right, still and- got another year after this year left on his deal. Um, yeah. So hard to figure out what Cleveland would really get in that deal besides a bunch of picks, I assume. But, um you got to wonder, does that make Portland better? I don't think it does. No, I don't think it does either. And if you're Portland, you know, I was high on them to start the season. And I understand, you know, Dame's getting older and you have this big contract and you want to take advantage of it. But are you really ready to sacrifice the future for a run right now when it does not look like this team is ready to go places, especially in this stacked West? So if you wanted to do a different version of the trade here, you know, keep Whiteside and have Love, you could trade Bazemore and Rodney Hood. That looks like that works. So now you're looking at a lineup in that situation. You start Whiteside, you start Kevin Love, um, you've got Lillard, you've got McCollum, and then it's small forward. My guess is you're looking at Nasir Little, uh, maybe Anthony Simons. My guess in this deal, though, you know, if it's Bazemore and Hood, and unless Portland's willing to give a bunch of picks, my guess is either Simons or Little, if not both, end up in that deal. 
Um, so I guess maybe for starters there, from a Cleveland perspective, you know, could you get excited with, let's say, Baysmore, Hood, and then either Simons or Little with probably a first-round pick, maybe a first and some seconds? I can't see them throwing up two firsts. I mean, I just think that's a bad deal for them overall, right? What's their problem so far, right? It's wing depth, right? Um, and it's funny because you identified it in the previews, and I kind of, you know, glossed over it and thought they'll be fine, but you hit it right on the head. They lost their two athletic forwards that were able to defend, you know, and, and prevent the other team's benches from just running away from things. Um, now they're not able to do that, and I don't understand why they would want to give up more wing depth for – you know, a guy who's really going to have even more problems on the defensive end. Oh, you're you're still there. You're still mooted if you're talking. Oh, I'm sorry. It's um, excuse me about that. But what I was trying to say was, I think this speaks a lot about the position of this league this year, and frankly, how spoiled we've been the last handful of years. There's always been some big names that are ready at the deadline to be moved, and this year you start to look around the league. It's tough to find names, and Kevin Love is one that sticks out. But you start to look at Portland and, and what they'd have to do. You know, trade Whiteside or, or Baysmore. Really, those are the only two big contracts. Um, you know, to your point, that allow them to get Love. They have to put a couple other pieces. Um, you know, again, it seems to me the easy math is white side, and then you could do Baysmore Hood and a couple other younger players. But you're right. I don't know if this makes Portland better. And, you know, even the more important question, it certainly doesn't make them better to the point where we think of them as championship contenders or even someone that uh, has a chance to really contend in a playoff series. So it's it's a tough spot, I think, for Cleveland in that, we're, you know, as we start to go through this, we've got a, a list of teams here that we've put uh, but as we were in, in pre-show spread, we're not too excited about any of these. I mean, what, what does this say about Kevin Love and his position in today's NBA? I mean, I think it's just the ma- major problem is the contract, right? If he was sitting at $10, $12, 15000000 million, we can imagine him on like all the different contenders. Well, it's just do- he decided to get $30 million and then wants to be traded, you know? It's just... Well, I guess, do you think he can be effective? As I start to think about him and his position, uh, you know, $28 million is a lot, but there is a handful of teams that have enough salaries to make this work. It's just hard for me to think of a team that Kevin Love makes better in today's NBA. He, he really struggles from a defensive standpoint on the floor. Uh, you know, I guess he's a, a power forward. He can't really play small ball center and just a sieve defensively. And once you get into the playoffs, he's just going to get attacked over and over and over again. So do you think he's in a position now where his offense is enough to make up for those defensive shortcomings? Yeah, like on a certain team, right? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, this won't happen. But if he went to the Lakers, he would definitely help them. They're already so good defensively, they can just hide him on a three. Now, that's interesting. Let me pull up the Lakers here and see if there's a way we can make that happen without anything stupid going on. So you think that on a team that's really defensively sound, though, he has a chance yeah. to really make an impact. So let's see what the Lakers would have to do. Looking at the contracts here, uh, they probably have to give up Danny Green and, and Caldwell Pope, really, or Danny Green and a couple other guys um, to make the numbers work. Let me just try this real quick. Yeah, even Danny Green and, and Caldwell Pope, you'd have to put somebody else in there. So tough to get the contracts yeah, together there. It is. It's, it's tough. 
um, you know, maybe we get a third team in here to kind of move some things around. I'm, you know, still thinking from a two-team dynamic. It's hard to, to put together those three and four-team scenarios. But let's go through some other teams. Portland, again, we're not sure if there's a chance that he makes them better. Now, the one team I was thinking about, and in kind of your theme of teams that are sound defensively and could have the ability to cover up some of his shortcomings, I was thinking about the Indiana Pacers. Now, you look at their team, they've got two big men, Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis. If they were willing to move on from Miles Turner, you could do something like take Turner, put him with, you know, maybe Jeremy Lamb and turn that into Kevin Love. Um, what do you think of something like that? You know, going forward, they'd have a starting five. Once Oladipo comes back, you'd have Oladipo, Brogdon, Warren, Sabonis, and, and Kevin Love with McDermott and the Holidays coming off the bench. What do you think of think of that? Is would that be a good move for Indiana? Does that move no. them up a level in your mind? No, Indiana's calling card is defense, and they can't get away from who they are. They're not going to outscore other teams. And um, Turner and Sabonis, we were not sure if it was going to work, but it's looked great so far. Um, Sabonis is moving out to the wing more, but yet he can provide uh, the post presence when he needs. And Turner's developed. Um, not necessarily, you know, a killer three, but he has enough to where defenses have to respect him. That gives Sabonis uh, room to move inside. Now, with uh, if you added Love, that would be pretty much the same idea. Now you'd have two of the more spacing-style power forwards, and you lose all your rim protection. I think that would be a bad move for the Pacers. I agree. I don't know that what Love brings is much better than what Turner brings. Love is obviously much more competent offensively. We've seen him in bigger moments, make bigger plays, and, and maybe having that kind of veteran on the team, someone that's been there and has won before, makes a difference. But I'm not ready to make that swap. Again, move Lamb, a solid guy who's coming off the bench and giving you real minutes, and Turner, who's someone that's shown to be good on both ends of the floor when he's playing well. Yeah. Next team up we had here was the Jazz, and a similar problem. You start to look at the contracts here, and the only way this really works is if Utah has to give up Bogdanovich here and Dante Exum. Exum, of course, not a big contributor on the team, but Bogdanovich has been a nice piece this year. Now, you think about his shooting. Do you think there's any chance Love can replicate what he does from a spacing perspective as well as add some new wrinkles? Um, is that something? Do you think the Jazz would be improved moving Bogdanovich to add Kevin Love? No, <laughs> that makes them worse too. I don't know if it makes them worse, but I don't know if it makes them better. I think that Love, when he's playing his best, maybe he's not as good a shooter as Bogdanovich, but I think he's more versatile on the offensive end. You get, you know, as much as posting up isn't a good thing to do in the NBA, it does help in, in big situations right. to have somebody who's comfortable and late in the, in the shot clock in the playoffs to be able to do that, whereas Bogdanovich needs more help getting open, and he's not a great creator in my opinion. But again, I don't know if it makes them that much better. It isn't a sacrifice defensively going from Bogdanovich to Love, so this is one of the few situations where you can make that swap and not have that big loss. But I agree, I don't know if it makes them much better. And in years to come, you'd probably rather have Bogdanovich at 17 versus Love, you know, again, at, at 28 for the same length. Yeah, I, I mean, it, the whole thing is just, you know, what's funny is wherever team he goes, it'll probably end up making sense. I'm just not seeing it right now. It's a lot of time spent. I listened to a handful of podcasts today, and no, nobody really came out with a good answer. Now, the, the next team that we had up here is a team that's always interested in trades. We know the Houston Rockets and Daryl Morey are all about trying to get as many superstars as they can. It looks like that they could trade P.J. Tucker, and um, let me just see here. It looks like they'd have to get rid of P.J. Tucker, Daniel House. I'm trying to see if they actually could get enough salaries together. Um because that doesn't work. Now, they could trade Russell Westbrook spread. 
I think that's a terrible idea. I agree. I think that is a terrible idea. Again, it's hard here to make the salaries work. I'm just kind of piling people up, and I, I'm still well behind. So it doesn't look like there's a chance you get up there. I mean, unless you want to trade Capella. Are you interested in moving Capella to get love? No. Same thing. You still you still need to defend your rim. Now, the next team I have up here is a team that's surging, a team much better than people thought this season. Do you, if you're the Dallas Mavericks, are you trying to maximize Luka's potential this year? Because you could swap. Let me just double-check here. Yep, you can swap T- Tim Hardaway Jr. and Boban Marjanovic for Kevin Love. Now, of course, you'd have to throw in some picks there, but you'd move to a lineup. You could have the Zinger, Luka, playing with... Gosh, I can't even remember who the rest of the starting lineup is at this point. But uh, Delon you know, Wright. Um, yeah, I guess Delon Wright, and then um, does Dwight Powell start? Dwight Powell plays quite Maxie a bit. Kleber. So, do you think Love makes that team better? Actually, that's the first one that you said so far. But honestly, I would not want to give up Hardaway Jr. at this point because he's providing a nice little third wing option there, and um, you know he's actually been playing pretty well for the team and fitting in pretty well as a as the third piece in that in that offense. I think this is the first team we found that might be better in this situation, but again, I don't know if they're so much better that we think of them as championship contenders. It feels like making right. a move too early, in my opinion. Yep. All right, Spread, one more before we finish this, this conversation. What do you think? Kevin Love for D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> the Warriors go, finally get their man all those yeah. years later, and they don't have to give up Clay Thompson. Yeah, you said you had a surprise for me. That one's good. Oh, wow. Hmm. Now, they'd have to throw in somebody else. Like, they'd have to throw in a smaller contract. Glenn no, Robinson that's pretty close, third. though, because uh, Marquise Chris, 23. 27. Oh, he's at 27? Oh, yeah, okay, that's easy, then. You could do D'Angelo Russell and Glenn Robinson the third right yeah. now for Kevin Love. Come on, spread. Let's do it. Yeah, I don't know if he Their would defense be could somehow get that. worse. <laughs> Love and Draymond next to each other. Wouldn't that be wild? I'm just trying to think what that team would even look like. You'd have Curry, Thompson, Love, and Draymond. That's really not that bad. The defense well, would be pretty bad, though, because Cauley Stein would be your center. Wow. It could be the first short team ever. Like, There's just not <laughs> one real big guy on that team. You have two power forwards, two guards, and then you know, you'd fill somebody else in. Maybe Pascal gets a job after his nice season this year. Oh, I think he will. Yeah, so maybe Pascal ends up yeah. being the fifth player there. All right, Pascal that's a... is the Robert Covington of the Warriors rebuild. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, Brad. <laughs> you don't think so? He's a Villanova guy. I'm hitting your local Philly guys here. Eric Pascal's a nice player, but Robert Covington is a nice player. Arguably, much more than that, <laughs> he's arguably the best wing defender in the league. Still, he's a, no he, stop. Come on. He's okay, so the end of the game, defender. you'd rather have Robert Covington defending your guy rather than Paul George, Leonard. I mean, no, he's not better. Of... He's not better than the best defensive players in the league, but he's a top five to ten, I would say, wing defender. I think you would, you would. Well, do you want to see if you can Jimmy give me? Butler might be a little better. At no, I'd player. rather have. I'd rather have Covington. All right. Well, this is a good debate. We'll got. Well, you know what? This is going to give us a nice little poll for when we post the podcast. Well, give me some names here. So, Fire off some perimeter no, defenders. I think the poll should be Butler over Covington. I think we'll get the a poll nice will speech. be Butler over Covington. But let's get into this just a little bit. Fire off some perimeter defenders. Let's go. I mean, obviously, I'd rather have Leonard. Obviously, I'd rather have George. Who do we got? Uh, I mean, even Giannis at this point of his career is better. Um, no, let's see. 
Andre Roberson was better when he actually played basketball. Stop it. That's offensive. I'm Roberson by was that. good. Yeah, but he wasn't better than Covington. Covington, what? I don't understand where you think that Covington is like this Gary Payton style defender. <sighs> oh, this is. You got to be kidding me. You really have to be kidding me. I thought you'd at least take the opportunity to ask me Matisse Thibel versus Robert Covington and make my head explode, but. Oh yeah, good point. So now that now instead that you, you go you Andre Roberson, I ask you for the best perimeter defenders in the league, and you give me Andre Roberson spread. Roberson's a good defender. When's the last time he played basketball? I said when he played basketball. <laughs> I, I, I had spread. We're all not as old as you are. I'm talking about this year, <laughs> today. Give me some better perimeter defenders than Robert Covington. I think you're just stalling at this point. I am really because honestly, I haven't I haven't done enough preparation on this, and this is my first podcast that I've had whiskey ginger ale while we're doing it all right all let right. me look i'll go through each team let's see memphis probably does not have a perimeter defender is good because Igadala is old and washed phoenix Ubre is close but he's not better stop it Ubre is a good defender i'm offended by that comparison oh my gosh i can't believe you have covington up there is this like hall of fame class defender okay no one on the pelicans is good no one on the bucks is good I liked Roberson. Kings don't have any good perimeter defenders. P.J. Tucker? Stop it. <laughs> he's pretty good. Uh, it's against guys that are bigger than him on the perimeter. He's not... It's You wouldn't put... Co- oh, Jesus, spread. Come on, you're better than this. What about Jalen Brown? Now, Jalen Brown, now you're starting to get a little more competitive. I'd still <laughs> rather have a Covington. I think that Covington has much better instincts. He has a bigger wingspan than, than Brown does, and I think he causes more trouble in the end. He's just an incredibly smart defender. He's a great athlete. He's long. I think that you need to spend some time watching some Timberwolves games and watch how much <laughs> easier it is than defensively. Indeed. All right. I'll watch Indeed. some Wood Dogs games. Uh, Danny Green is up there, I would say, is close. Now we're starting to get to comparable players. I think that the two of them are, are pretty close. <laughs> it would be hard for me to pick in that situation. All right, but I still want the poll that we post under the podcast to be Butler or Covington. All right, final possession right. of the game. Who's guarding the ball handler, Jimmy yeah. Butler or Robert Covington? Focus, yep. people. You're going to have to vote. Make sure you're following us at Networth Pod. Well, we'll post that poll. Now, speaking yeah. of Jimmy Butler spread, that was a semi-professional segue there. We wanted to do a heat check <laughs> because good Lord, the Miami Heat are just absolutely incredible this year. Bam Adebayo. Now, you did mention Jimmy Butler, but I want to talk about Bam Adebayo a little bit. He has been tremendous. It's It looks like... Uh... It looks almost like the closest thing to Draymond Green I thought we would ever see. Defensively, he's incredible. Offensively, he's running the pick and roll. He's diving to the basket. He's making good passes. You know, the Heat right now are the number two seed in the East at 18 and 16. What do you think about the Heat? Are they a championship contender spread? Oh, yeah. Well, finals contender. Right now, I think the championship's coming out of the West, um, You know, unless we have injuries like we did last year. In that weird situation, I just, watching right now. These West teams are so much better than the East, but I think they're definitely a contender to make the Eastern Conference Finals just because of the way they match up with the best teams, uh, being you know Philadelphia, Boston, and Milwaukee, and they can run that zone and they they run solid defense and you know with Butler they kind of have an alpha dog there. Uh, Dragic has been great off the bench. You, you know you can tell they've been missing in the last couple of games. He's sitting out. Tyler Hero is a contender for Rookie of the Year. I I, actually, I love betting on the Heat. They're so much fun to bet on at home. 
you start to think about what's valuable in the NBA today, what really makes great teams. And when I think of a great NBA team, I think of versatility. I think of a clear leadership and, and power structure in terms of players. And I think of a great coach. And the Heat have all three of those things going, you know, reverse order here. Spolster's incredible. He's yep. one of the best coaches in the league. The Miami Heat are lucky to have him. I would do almost anything to get him to coach the 76ers. <laughs> I would. In terms of oh, a power sure structure. In terms I'm in of the a, chat with you every day. I see the Brett Brown slander. Ugh, it's We're not here to talk about it. It's that. almost like part of my, my morning routine now. Like, wake up, grab a rock star, check the chat, see your Brett Brown slander, and then uh, start capping the games. You have a clear power structure. This is Jimmy Butler's team. Bam Adebayo is the second best player, and everybody else kind of knows where they stand. It's a really strong group. They play hard for each other. And then you look at versatility. This team can go big. This team can go small. This team has enough shooting. It has enough athleticism. I think this is a really scary team. You know, As a Sixers fan, I'm terrified to think of what might happen to the Sixers if they have to see the heat in the second round. You know what, though? The Sixers, and this is, you know, it's funny. I mean, we're going to switch into the Sixers like we do every single podcast, but um, I was watching that inside the NBA last night after the game and, you know, Chuck and, you know, cause those guys are, I mean, those guys take recency bias to the extreme, you know, whatever happens on the most recent game they watch. I mean, that's just the law, but you know, they were sitting there with all the Sixers slander and I'm just sitting there and they're, they, they got no chance. They got no chance. And I you know, they still have they still are one of the best defensive teams in the league. And when it matters in crunch time in the playoffs, they're gonna be able to get half court stops. So regardless of the problems that they're having right now, and I know that you're frustrated with uh Brown and some of the rotations and things of that nature, but their ability to stop and Miami's the same way. So I kinda consider uh Sixers in Miami to be in the same way, uh, where they're gonna be able to get these half court stops in crunch time when the game slows down in the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, it's, I'm not concerned about the defense. The defense is incredible. Uh, again, I'm, not to beat a dead horse here, when it comes to the Sixers, I'm mostly concerned about their ability to do anything offensively and th- they're just their ability to seemingly lose any game in the last two minutes. But you know, again, the, the Heat, uh, do you really you think of them as, you said they're not championship contenders. You don't think they can beat the Clippers. You don't think they can beat the Lakers. What are you thinking from a Bucks perspective? What does the series look like when they come into the Eastern Conference Finals? Because I, I think that's really what happens here at this point. You start to look at some of the records. Now, the Sixers are 18-7. and seven. Things are pretty tight up top. But they have certainly been slow. I'm actually amazed that that's what their record is, given how they've been playing the last couple weeks. But if the Heat can win that second seed, then you know the Sixers have to go through either the Bucks or the Heat. And if we end up with a Bucks Heat Eastern Conference Finals, what does that look like to you? I mean, obviously the Bucks will be favored, but the Miami Heat has an easy, clear path to victory that I can see, and that's use their strong zone defense, no middle, keep Giannis out of the lane, uh, collapse on him, force the other shooters to make shots, and hope that they wilt under the pressure of the playoffs. All right, so what? Are, how are you handicapping the Heat then the rest of the way? Do you think this is a team that's going to continue to play this well for the rest of the season? Do you think that... There's a lull here at some point. Um, You know, when you get to the trade deadline, I think this team is pretty solid, actually. I don't know if they're going to be looking to make a move here. Um, But from a handicapping perspective, night in, night out, how are you handicapping Heat games the rest of the way? Uh, The Heat at home, I'm I'm looking at them almost every time um, when they're under seven points and when they're laying less than seven. And obviously against teams on the road that, when the heat travel, 
um, against teams that will suffer with the way that they can uh, implement a zone defense because not many teams can. I'll be looking to back them against those teams as well, matchup-wise, if I feel that uh, this team is reliant on getting to the rim in order to set up their offense. That's something the Heat can deny teams. Absolutely. All right, Spread, let's jump into, um, you know, actually, you know, one more thing before we get to um, actually starting to break down some of the teams here. There's been some interesting defense with James Harden the last few weeks. It looks like teams are starting to double-team him pretty hard and trying to force the ball out of his hands, make sure that Westbrook is the person that's initiating the offense. Now, when I see this, this reminds me a lot of when teams started to double-team Steph Curry. Um, you know, as soon as he came across half court, they would double team him, basically force the Warriors to get the ball into Draymond's hand. And that's when Draymond really grew from an offensive standpoint and became the versatile player that everyone's afraid of today. Now, the, from a Houston perspective, it seems like they're forcing the ball into Russell Westbrook's hands. And he's having a little trouble making that work. You know, he ends up in a four on three situation, but the Heat, I'm sorry, the Houston Rockets are still struggling there. What do you think about this strategy and what do you think about Houston's ability to adapt to it? I, it's going to take them some time. You know, the reason it was so effective with the Warriors or so ineffective against the Warriors is that there were so many shooters that it was just easy um, for Steph to just pass out of the double team. Uh, Steph is a naturally uh, high basketball IQ guy. He's not going to um, you know, he's always looking to make the right decision. He's not really worried about his stats or or things of that nature. So I think for the Warriors, it was quite an easy um, fix or adaptation or adjustment. I think for the Rockets, it's going to be tough, but I think that they do have the shooters be able to do it. They just need to be quicker. Um, Westbrook needs to be quicker because once it goes four on three, there's always someone open. So you got to get the ball to that guy. And the uh, other members of the team have to be aware and get to their shooting spots, get to those corner threes, get to that nice uh, the spot you know, in between the top of the key and – and the corner of three that people like to hit from and just force teams, you know, they're saying, okay, uh, I'm forcing the, the other guys to beat you. Go ahead and beat them then, you know, make them pay for what they're doing. I don't think that they should be stubborn and try and continue to attack it, which is kind of Harden's mindset. You know, he's got that little Kobe mindset, loves to shoot at, shoot through the double and triple teams, but they really need to make them pay. And actually, I think D'Antoni has the, the system and the scheme to do it. I just think the team's not used to uh, executing it yet. Long term, I think once Eric Gordon comes back, that's going to help a lot. I think that Westbrook needs to, you know, the big transition we talked about this offseason is Westbrook almost kind of slowing down, relaxing a little bit and, and having faith in the players around him and not, you know, forcing things too much. When I watch a lot of their plays, he gets flustered. He gets the ball in his hands and, and he doesn't know whether to attack the basket or try to pass it to somebody. He still hasn't quite figured that out. And I think you're right. Once they get Gordon back and there's a little more shooting on the floor, that's going to help. I wonder if D'Antoni can come up with something a little more creative. I wonder if there's some kind of offense where you send a screener up to half court and kind of help James Harden get some space early in their offense, basically start the pick and roll much, much, much higher on the floor or set almost a couple levels of screeners, basically, so he has almost, in a way, like kind of cones to run around while he's dribbling across the floor. I'm curious to see, and I think you made a good point there about D'Antoni. He is someone that's creative, that's willing to try new things. I wonder if he's going to come up with you know, something really interesting there, but um, I hope that Westbrook, and I think if Houston's going to be successful this is a really interesting way for the NBA to force Houston to become better. Um, you know, it really challenges Westbrook to take a step up and become 
a much better leader of an offense. So I'm really excited to see how this develops going through, and I'm going to be watching a lot of Houston games and a lot of replays of Houston games to see how they adapt. All right, so we should address the elephant in the room, and hopefully Mason doesn't block me, but Westbrook can't shoot. I mean, that's the issue, right? He can't shoot a jump shot, right? This isn't the area I grew up in with Doc Rivers and Mark Jackson where you could have a point guard that just set up the offense and really didn't need to score. Nowadays, point guards need to score. They need to be able to shoot. They need to be able to space the floor. He can't do that. They're able to sag back on him, which makes the drives less effective. And then it's easy for the four-on-three because then they just leave him open, and that's how they're able to get away from the double team from Harden. So, I mean, I don't know how he's going to get his shooting touch back. I don't know. You know, it's hard to think of a player. Most players improve on their shooting percentage as their athleticism declines. He just hasn't been able to do it. I don't know if it's mental. I don't, you know, I'm not one of the the b-ball breakdown guys where he can analyze, you know, the hot, the shots and, you know, his, his form and does he have a hitch right here and is he not following through correctly? I actually don't see things like that that well, but something's wrong. And until they address that, you know, I mean, that that's going to be the key to stopping the double teams on Harden. The shooting is definitely tough for Westbrook. It'd be much easier if he was a better shooter. At the end of the day, though, he's running a four on three offense. I don't care how bad of a shooter you are. You should be able to create space for at least one player in the forward since again there's simply three guys guarding four people at that point so I but think... there's three guys buying three people and then just letting westbrook stand there well then go and to then the basket rotate to the rim right but then the, the rotator's there right and then you pass out to the guy who's standing open there's got to be a way for him to figure out that spacing and to figure out who the open guy is and make that work I think the way to make it work is he needs to make his jump shots. I don't. I think that they're going to continue to have problems if he continues to shoot 30% from the field or whatever he is. All right, we thought it would be good to go quickly through all the teams in the league here, just get a quick touch point on how we're feeling so far this year and how we're handicapping these teams going forward. We'll start in the East. I don't think there's any change to the Milwaukee Bucks spread. I think we're handicapping them pretty much the same way we have all season. They're a great team. Dude, are you watching them great. beat the Pelicans right now? Um, this is embarrassing. It's, uh, it's it's 69 to 46 at halftime. I actually switched off the game because it was so boring, but I ran out of stuff to watch, so I moved back to it. And it's just like, even without Giannis, they are just crushing the Pelicans. I don't know if it says more about how bad the Pelicans are or how good the Bucks are, but this is a solid team that, that seems like... And that's one thing that they mentioned on a little Inside the NBA, and it's funny, I don't watch it that often, but when I do, it's kind of interesting. And they, I did agree with them. You know, I didn't agree with them writing off the Sixers, but I did agree with that... Uh, Milwaukee looks like a team that looks like a championship team right now. You watch them and you say they could win the championship. They could beat the Clippers at the best or the Lakers at their best, you know. And Philly, you say they have the potential if they do these things. Miami, they have the potential if they do these things. Boston, you know, they could. You know, they probably need to add a piece. But Milwaukee's the only team in the East that looks ready to win the championship right now. And they're, they're focused and they're playing hard every night. So, uh, I love backing the Bucks too. And, you know, it's funny. We mentioned on the last couple pods that they haven't been blowing th- teams out. They must have listened. They, you know, they must be up on the net worth. I wonder if they voted for the net worthies in the WTA. But uh, they've been blowing people out <laughs> since we've said that. I think you're right. The Bucks are really impressive. This win tonight, I think, is probably more about how bad New Orleans is versus how good the Bucks are. But it's been impressive for them to continue to find a way to get better despite the fact that they lost Malcolm Brogdon, who was supposed to be one of their younger, one of their better players. Now, it's funny. I'm a huge Drew Holiday fan spread, and I've always Mm -hmm. been trying to find ways for him to to find his way to a team to get a chance to win. 
And maybe it's just because they're playing the Bucks tonight, but I just realized this. What do you think about Jeru Holiday on the Bucks? But who would they give up? I'm trying to see. They'd have to give up Bledsoe. I don't know if they'll do that. They would. If, uh, Wouldn't you rather have would... Holiday instead of Bledsoe? I would. But how many picks are you going to have to give to the Pelicans to do that? That's a problem. They don't really have a young player to get excited about. Let me see if this works. You could do something like Bledsoe, Robin Lopez, and DiVincenzo, and, and a pick or two for, for Holiday. You know, it, I like DiVincenzo. I think he fits that team wonderfully. The problem is you got to, oh God, it's four years of Eric Bledsoe. Man, that makes it really tough. I wish you could find a way for Holiday to make it onto this team because I think you're right. The Bucks are built. They're ready to go. If Giannis is going to be the best player in the year, if he is going to be as great as we think he could possibly become, I think this is the year he makes it to the finals and possibly wins it. You know, when you think about true stars and like their trajectory. seven more years that it could be the year. Uh, if you, so... I, th- I guess what I'm trying to say is when we think about Giannis, we think about his top potential is arguably one of the best players in the history of the league. And if he's going to attain that potential, this is the f- this is the year he makes the finals. Maybe he doesn't win the finals, but this is the year he makes the finals with a team that can really compete and really be great. And I think that the Bucks still, they're still one piece away. I just, I struggle with Middleton being the second best player in this team. I look around, I think that this is going to be tough for them come playoff time if, if, Unless Giannis is, again, going to become a much better shooter as teams start to slough off and, and make the floor a, a little bit smaller and the space a little bit tighter. I hope that they can figure out some sort of move to get one other player. And I wonder if Holiday can be that guy. You know, you have a you, you bring up a good point. I just struggle to see the um, – I struggle to see what the, the Bucks would give up that the Pelicans would actually want that doesn't – hurt the buck so much but honestly i've never been a big trade machine guy so this is probably more in your wheelhouse than mine it is a tough deal to make work there's definitely some uh, multiple picks that have to go on but we move forward the boston celtics 17 and 6 again in that tight race for the second seed in the east what do you think about the celtics have they exceeded your preseason expectations i feel kind of the same about them no they're right where that we need to be they said we said going in well we were hoping that Cantor could work out it's not really working out um, you know, I think he needs to be a reserve. I don't think they they can win the East with him as a starter, and they need to pick up a big man uh, before the deadline. But if they but they don't need to pick up like a star, you know, they just need to pick up someone to protect the rim. They do. Um, I think that the Tice situation's worked out, and I think Williams has worked out. I'm curious to see if they can put something together, but no changes in my feelings about the Celtics. Now, the Sixers, the next team up here from an Eastern Conference perspective, uh, just a tough team to handicap night in and night out. I continue to struggle to figure out what their level of effort's going to be. I think it's a team where you're on Are them they when they're the at home and against Philly them when they're on the road. Time? How, How is so? this team in Philly? The city of Rocky? Rocky trying hard all the time. You, you have two of the most aloof, lackadaisical stars that don't appear to work on their game during the offseason. How is that sitting in Philadelphia? Well, the problem is that in Philadelphia, the only thing that people really care about is the Philadelphia is Eagles. The Eagles. Okay. So I don't think people have noticed yet. I don't think the city has taken a huge interest in the Sixers. But when I talk to Sixers fans, it's a lot of the same complaints. The coach doesn't seem to know what he's doing. And we're just sick of watching Embiid and Simmons be the same players. They're exactly the same as they were three years ago. They haven't. That's my better. point. They don't seem to work on their game during the off season, I, that, or ever. Off season, on season. I mean, say what you will about a lot of great players, but at some point they made a move forward, and 
I just don't see it. I, I continue to struggle with the Sixers team, and it's again, if I'm going to have to bet them, I'm on them at home. They seem to play much better there, oh, yeah. and against them on the road. So I don't know. That pretty much sums up my feelings no, at this point. We're slagging them because it's we have championship expectations for them, but overall, they're like actually a great team to back. I've I've I did pretty good backing the Sixers this week. I have when they're at home, I have no problems putting down the same thing. Spread less than seven. I feel like them just as Miami. The spread's less than seven at home. I'm going to take them against almost anybody. Next up, a team that I was pretty wrong about in the preseason. I'm hoping that they can come back to earth a little bit. The five seed right now spread would be the Toronto Raptors. Now I know you were high on them at the beginning of the year. I don't know if you thought about them as a you know a championship contender or someone that could win multiple series in the playoffs. What are your thoughts about the Raptors at this point? They have a nice chance to make the second round, right? I think they do. They'll be pretty competitive. I don't know. I'm still not terribly high on them. Maybe I'm underestimating Siakam and probably underestimating Van Vliet, frankly, but I guess they have the infrastructure. The defense has been incredible this year. If they continue to fight for that five seed, you know, I, I hope the Sixers get a chance to make it up to the three and make sure Boston has to play them. But I, I don't see them as contenders to win the East. No, I don't either. But I think they're a great team, and I still think they're going over that 45 win total. Yeah, night in, night out from that perspective. It's a great second half team. They seem to start games pretty slow and are a good opportunity to pick them up live. So if you're watching a Raptors game and are confused why they're not playing so well, maybe a good opportunity to jump in live. I think they've been a good second half team. Um, what do you think about them from a game to game perspective? Yeah, I mean I've been I've been back in Toronto lately, but I'm getting to the point where I think they're getting to be overvalued. So I'm I think the comeback starts now. I think that um, you know, the numbers are reflecting them to be this, this, a team that's in the same tier of the four that we mentioned earlier. And I don't think that they are that, although that statistically, the statistics, like in your, in your model, that's what they're going to tell us is that they're that good. I don't think they're that good. So, uh, I went from betting on them and doing pretty well betting on them to, um, I'm kind of leaning towards their overvalued for the next couple weeks. And, you know, be careful backing this team. I think there's a little bit of regression coming. But I still think they're going over the 45 wins. Well, I hope you're wrong about that. (laughs) Yeah, I know you do. Your 401k does, too. The Indiana Pacers are next up. Uh, Just about the same, I think, as we thought preseason. Any interesting or or intriguing thoughts about the Pacers so far? No, for me, remember, I, I struggled to see why people were so high on Indiana. And then watching them, they've displayed that. They're a solid, fundamental basketball team. Um, you know, they they fit. Uh, each one of the needs of the team is met by a particular player. They have great ball handling on the wings. They play good wing defense. They have nice three-point shooting. Um, Turner and Sabonis give you excellent um, different ways to attack a, a defense in the middle. Turner gives you good rim protection. Um, Sabonis has a fun post game, a nice mid-range. Um you know, TJ Warren's doing great. Like you said, Brogdon was a good pickup. Uh, Jeremy Lamb is, is actually a little better than I thought he was. And um, I thought TJ Warren was a sneaky good pickup, too. It's a solid team. A lot of good players, not any real great yeah. players, but they continue to be good. Not a championship contender, but a team not to underestimate night in, night out. Um, how about the Nets? What are you feeling about the Nets so far? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do you think about the Nets? I mean,. It's weird that they're better without Kyrie. Is it weird? 
I don't know if is it's it weird. weird that they're better without a guy that doesn't pass anyone else the ball and isn't Moody is is Moody isn't a good teammate <laughs> doesn't really you know look to do things to make his teammates better. I mean, is this really that? So weird? is this a market inefficiency then? Should we be betting? On the Nets almost blindly when Irving's not playing and betting against the Nets when Irving is playing. Is the market overreacting to him being in and him being out? I think the market's caught up. I think that market efficiency was there for about three games. And I think the now that there's so many games with Irving out, the stats basically reflect who this team is. So I think our next opportunity to spot the market inefficiency will be the two to three games when Kyrie returns. I agree. That'll be something we're paying attention to. The Magic sort of resurgent here. They're, they're fighting back. Yeah. Right? They're almost near the 500 mark. Snuck their way into the eighth seed now. How do you feel about the Magic at this point? Vucevic injured. He'll be back, I think, in a week or so, maybe two weeks. What do you think about the Magic? Uh, I, th- I think his injury kind of highlighted why it wasn't necessarily wise to re-sign him. Um, because where he's at in his career is not where the team is you know by the time the rest of this team comes together and develops he's going to be getting close to past his prime and what's happening is you're taking minutes away from probably the best um, prospect they have as far as uh, how far he can develop in Jonathan Isaac and Jonathan Isaac has looked great without Vukovic on the floor he has more room to work he gets more opportunity higher usage and he's taking advantage of that and uh, I don't think Vukovic is a bad defender but the key to the Magic's resurgence has been their defense they've stepped it on defense they're uh, resembling the team they that you know helped us win that great future bet last year when they made their nice run and, and they're doing it through defense and now that they've got that back I think that they you know in a weaker Eastern Division they definitely have a chance I don't know I think they might be competitive for a game or two in a playoff series and I didn't I out. guess the chance to make up the playoffs is what I mean <laughs> yeah that's it right I mean they're a first round loser right they're, yeah abs- absolutely first round loser all over them yeah no, I didn't, but that's I not don't. bad that's what you build from you build from that. Maybe you get rid of Vukovic next year. You get another younger player. You continue the development of these young guys. And, you know, I mean, uh, Giannis is going to be in trouble for years, right? But Butler's getting towards the end. You know, who knows how long Embiid's shelf life is. Toronto's definitely near the end of their run. I mean, they could set up to be nice here in a year or two if they play their cards right. I think that they should be looking to get rid of Vukovic for an asset sooner than later. Isn't this what they did last year? Are we having the same conversation we did with the Magic last year? Yeah, they do this every year. They're yeah. a perennial first-round loser. Well, but I'm bored. As a Kings fan who hasn't seen a playoff game since 2006, it seems pretty good to me. I mean, that's not a bad deal. Um, I mean, it's better than just getting your doors blown off every night. Is it? Yeah, I think so. You just watch a mediocre basketball team that never has a chance to win a championship? It's better than watching a horrible team that loses by 30 every night. Well, it's you're not wrong about that, I guess. <laughs> Detroit Pistons are next up, just about a game or so out of the playoffs at this point. What do you think about the Pistons? Are they, are they going to be able to put it together at any point? Is this a chance to buy low on them before they make a run? So I had to write about the Pistons for my article tomorrow. And I'll tell you what, this is one of the hardest teams in the NBA for me to cap. Um, so I did a, uh, I usually do a pretty fair amount of research, but I really spent some time on this team because I don't really feel like I have a good handle on the team at all. And before I wrote about them, I wanted to, you know, kind of get an idea of what everyone was saying because I had been 
kind of just avoiding their games. I just hadn't bet on them. I just said, you know what? I'm not good at doing this. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna continue to try. I'm really having a tough time seeing what they do that well. But at the same time, they're really not a bad team. If you look at how they're set up, um, you know, almost like Indiana, they do have each facet of the game kind of addressed. Um, but I don't know. I mean, they just have the same thing all over them, right? First round loser. Like, I just don't see them beating any of those top four teams. What do you think of the Pistons? Because I think that you probably have, like, stronger, more actionable information on them than I do. I don't, to be perfectly honest. I can't figure out why they can't put it together. Uh... Blake Griffin seems to be better. Because they have no Andre wings. Andre continues to be doing what he's doing. Maybe it's just a team that's stuck in the past. They're not playing what looks like a modern brand of basketball. As good as Luke Kennard seems to be at shooting, he seems to be the only one on the team at this point that can really stretch the floor out. I'm well, let's look the at the recipe for, for a solid team in the new modern NBA, right? You have a, a nice shot-creating point guard that can start your offense, right? You have a rim-protecting big, and then you surround them with a bunch of 3 and D wings that can provide you good defense and, and be space the floor, you know, and provide good offense. Who Who is their wing that you're afraid of? Luke Kennard? I mean, they have no depth at all. They remind me of watching the Kings a couple years ago, you know, with no, they have no forwards at all. I don't understand how you expect to win in the NBA without forwards. It doesn't it seem like it's a forward league now. Like, Jordan kind of ushered the era from it being a center league to being a forward league. It seems like all the teams and championships are built around forwards now, and they just don't have a good forward. I mean, Blake Griffin's a power forward, but I'm talking about that wing forward. Yeah, you make a lot of good points. That's why I worry about Detroit. Now let's kind of blast through the rest of the Eastern Conference here. Hornets, Bulls, Wizards, Hawks, Let's just do buy or sell for the next week on each team. All right, buy or sell, Hornets. I'm buying. I think they're undervalued. I think they're playing really well. I don't think they have a lot of players that we're, um, you know, familiar with as, like, big names, you know. But I, when you watch them, they play pretty well as a team, and they cover spreads. You know, we're talking about from a gambling perspective. They're getting between 6 to 10 points a night on average when they're on the road, and, and they're playing competitive basketball. I'd say they're a buy. I agree with that. Bulls. Ooh. Sell. <laughs> so I've been – sell. sell. So, so that's funny. Sell. I think that they're – Getting sell. so undervalued, sell. That sell. You don't think that they're that sell. they're so low that their numbers sell. are so bad that there's nowhere to go but up? I, I think that they hate their coach. I think they hate their situation. I think they're just as bad, if not worse, than they were last year. I don't think that at any point the Bulls get markedly better. I I think they're to a point where they're getting too many points at home against these teams. They're getting more than five points a night at home. Uh, which just seems to me too much. I'm, uh, I haven't done it yet, and I'm loving my Bill Bulls under 33 bet. I wish that was the only bet I made, and I put all my futures money just on that bet, but I didn't. Uh, regardless, I'm watching this team, and I bet against them almost every night, and I'm telling you I'm getting more and more worried, and as they start to get these bigger spreads at home, I think there's going to be some nice opportunities to back the Bulls. Um, so I'll put them as a hold. You're on sell, I'm on hold, but I'm leaning towards buy. Selling hard. All right. It's just, it's a bad situation. Now, the Wizards are the next team up. What do you think about them? Uh, buy their overs. I agree. That's, <laughs> right? I think I that mean, is the, the right podcast. angle there. <laughs> and I'm afraid to bet against them simply for, for the reason that the offense is so good. They seem to sneak their way into a backdoor cover almost every night at this point. So I don't know if I'm buying the Wizards, but I'm definitely not selling. 
So here's a fun one on the Wizards. I saw it today. Let me see if I can remember off the top of my head. It was the top five players in adjusted plus minus for offensive rating. And the five players were Harden, Trey Young, Giannis, Anthony Davis, and the fifth was Davis Bertons. Isn't that Davis. awesome? Davis, Davis Bertons. Well, if you're gonna <laughs> make awesome, if you're gonna make six threes a night, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's fantastic. It's, and you know what, Bradley Beal's a baller. I, you know, I always thought that Bradley Beal was kind of like second tier. He's completely changed my mind because he has all the attention on him, and he's still scoring. I, I really, I've been really impressed with how Bradley Beal's uh, handled himself this year. I know you have an opinion about the Hawks. Buy or sell? We're selling this team. You know, we were so excited about them, and you know, you can't be right about everything, right? I mean, boy, John Collins. <laughs> here's me. Oh, they'll be fine. Jabari Parker. No, boy, that was horrible. That was a bad take. I mean, they look horrible. <laughs> they can't defend. <sighs> I watched them lose by twenty to the Bulls tonight before I switched over to this horrible. Pelican I knew they game. couldn't defend, but I thought they'd at least be able to score enough points to be competitive. Yeah, I thought they'd be like this the Wizards. This is just sad. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's what we thought. So, so I'm with you. I'm selling the Hawks. How about the Cavs? But you know what? They're really young. We might be able to buy them after All-Star break. But for, for the next week, they're definitely sell. Cavs are sell. Cavs are where I think that you think the Bulls are. I think they're in the same they place. You're right. Coach. Yeah, they hate their coach, but they have less talent. I think the Bulls at least have, like, talented pieces. Like, if you broke up the Bulls, I think a lot of teams would be interested in acquiring these players. I don't think there's anyone on the Cavs that people would want except for Kellen Sexton. I mean, we just talked about Kevin Love earlier, how no one wants him, right? I mean, Tristan Thompson, who wants him, right? Darius Garland might end up being good, but he's been a disaster so far. He can't stay in front of anyone. And who else is on their team? Like, Seti Osman, Della Vadova. I mean, it's just, it's just a terrible team. I, I, they, they don't have a chance. I'll gladly fade the Cavs. They're going to be laying fi- – or they're going to be getting 15 points, and I'm going to be laying it and not even worried, like going against everything that we're taught as betters, you know, to take the points and – you know, bad teams. It's inflated because everyone wants to bet against them. But I, I think it's going to be a team where you can't make the lines high enough. It's tough, and I agree. There's no way you can find me betting on the Cavs. But if there is a bad team that I am interested in betting on night in and night out, a team that I think I feel the way about this team as you do about the Bulls, the New York Knickerbockers. Oh wow, they stink. Okay, let's hear this. You go. <laughs> I've got to hear this. They stink. They stink out loud. But I, they just fired their coach. I think that that, honestly, yeah. in a weird way, helps unify the locker room a little bit. And I like the way that Julius Randle fits next to Mitchell Robinson. And I think that they might be able to figure out a lineup at some point that makes even a remote amount of sense. I, I don't know. I need to go back and look to see how this team does in third and fourth quarters and games are getting blown out. But if there was a bad team in the East that I feel stupid enough to maybe take the points with, it's the Knicks. I don't see where you're getting that from. I don't know if you have the computer in front of you, because I, uh, I I don't want to use a laptop because that's where we've had problems before um, with the audio getting cut out. Is when I start googling a bunch of stuff while we're on, but I think their ATS record is just horrible. Oh, it's tremendously poor. That's why I think now is yeah. the time. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it, I mean, I I faded the them bottom. last night against Portland, and I just you know it's funny is when and that was my article for two nights ago, and I sat there. And I said, oh, okay, Knicks, you know, they got a nice bump. You know, they had just only lost to the Pacers by one. If uh, Julius Randle had made the free throw, you know, that game goes to overtime or maybe they win. Oh, maybe I should take the Knicks. They're getting plus nine. They're getting plus nine. And then something hit me, and I'm like, do not take the Knicks. They are terrible, you know. And then it was like a, 
you know, seeing the light, like uh, finding enlightenment, you know, and I'm like, I'm completely overthinking this. Just take Portland and chill. And Portland won by 30. I mean, I'm just watching them. Obviously, it's well, actually, it wasn't even the end of the road trip. It's their first game on the road, you know, came out west. But, boy, I faded them again tonight. I got the Warriors minus five. I laid five with the Warriors. That's how bad I think the Knicks are. Again, I don't know if I'm betting the Knicks, but of all the teams we've talked about in the East, I'm thinking about it. But that's enough being said. Let's jump into the Western Conference here. Lakers and Clippers. Let's talk about both of these teams at the same time, because I agree. These are the two championship contenders at this point. I think one of these teams is winning the championship, and I think it's the Clippers. Do you think it's the Clippers? Do you think it's the Lakers? No, it's the Clippers. That's I think it's Clippers, too. I hear a lot of Lakers talk, and, and it's... it's I, well, they're the, playing better right now. All the respect I have for LeBron, I just when you get to the playoffs, I don't see how this team fits together. I just don't see this team peaking at the right to the mirror, and I worry about how many minutes LeBron is playing. I know that he's Superman, and he's never had a problem. He's never taken a game off, and blah, 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 blah. But I wonder if he's going to be peaking at the right time of the year. But at this point, you consider these the two best teams in the league, and how are you betting them By night far. in and night out? Dude, this is where the NBA gets kind of square, dude. Just bet the Lakers. Just hold your nose, even though we don't like them and they're not fun. And I mean, it's like they can't draft for crap and they just get t- the players because they're the Lakers, right? Put all that aside, you know, that put on the aside that they basically have an unfair competitive advantage over the rest of the league because of the marquee team in LA and just bet on the Lakers to cover and you will make money. They are just, they're just a covering machine right now. Anthony Davis is playing out of his mind. Um, what a pairing. I was. Uh, you know, I was a little hesitant that they were going to turn AD into, uh, you know, the Kevin Love type role, but they haven't. He's attacking the rim. LeBron has actually kind of made good on his promise to turn the team over to Davis. I mean, not 100%. And I'm sure in the playoffs it's going to be LeBron's team. But, oh boy, they're playing well. I think Danny Green was their sneaky Shane Batty addition that might get them the title. It's hard to argue with that. Now, what do you think about the Mavericks? They're hot. Uh... I don't know if I'm buying the Mavericks, but I also don't know if I'm selling the Mavericks. I don't know if they're this good, but I'm not ready to sell. I'm actually getting ready to sell, but I think we're going to have to look at spots. Like, for example, they're the game that I wrote about for tomorrow, and I got them against the Pistons, and I took them. But I think they're going to get pretty close to the point that they're overvalued. I think they are going to be a public team. Because let's be honest, if you're a casual better or you're just doing this for fun, who wouldn't want to bet on Luka Doncic, right? I mean, that guy's so fun to watch. Um, just fantastic stuff that they're doing out there. Um, but we'll see how this goes. I mean, they've been playing out of their mind. I mean, is he going to be able to keep averaging a triple-double? I mean, so I I think that – I say we – I'm going to give an official hold right now, but we're looking for the right time to sell because their team is getting dangerously close to being overvalued. I agree. The time to sell will come, but it's not quite there. How about the Rockets? Right. We talked about them. It seems to be teams are adjusting. I feel pretty good about the Rockets at this point from a market perspective. They've been another slow starter um, in terms of game flow, but I still like the Rockets, and I, I wonder if in another week or so they're going to be undervalued from a futures perspective. I wonder if I'm going to be looking at some Rockets championships um, numbers and things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm a buy on the Rockets against everyone but the best teams. I think they blow out bad teams. I think they put up big numbers, and I think they're great at home. So uh, I'm, I'm big on the Rockets. Regular season, that's the time to make your money on the Rockets, right? Make your money on the Rockets during the regular season, and then go ahead and take that money to fade them in the second round of the playoffs. 
Now, the Denver Nuggets, a team that we were high on in the preseason for the regular season, a team that I described as a regular season team, it seems that their best player <laughs> has uh, come into camp a little heavier than normal. And we're not here to body shame Nikola Jokic, but he doesn't seem to be in peak shape. Are you worried about the Nuggets? Yeah. I mean, they, they're a sell, right? They look terrible. Have to be a sell. I mean, for the, for the expectations we have for them, right? Absolutely. I don't so, know how you're not selling this team. Jokic does not look like the player he was last year. Murray got beat up a little bit last night. Um, got a light knee injury against Simmons. I need to do a little more homework there, but got a little banged up. and Just nothing new, I, nothing interesting. Am I crazy if I call Murray Reggie Jackson with range? I mean, the guy's so no. inconsistent. I don't know if you can win with this guy every night. As your second piece, I think you needed to move him to the third. Uh, you know that's why we were talking. We hoped Porter Jr. would step up, and I don't know what he's done to not earn. You know what has he done to be in Malone's doghouse? He's not out there loafing. Like I was watching, uh, what was this guy's name on the Hawks that I liked, Cam Reddish? I mean that guy's got horrible body language, and he's getting more minutes than Porter Jr. I don't know what 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 he did to Malone that he just can't earn minutes even in blowouts. So. Yeah, maybe they're just worried about his physical conditioning. The, the Nuggets are not themselves, and I hope that over the next few months they put it together. Now, they're competition. I think they will. I hope so. But right now, they're terrible. They are. So you're selling the Nuggets the next week or so? Yep. How about the Jazz? Their, comp- their competition to win the division? They sell. They sell. They're terrible, too. I don't know. I, you know... The Jazz... You know what's funny is I was wondering why everyone was so high on the Jazz to start the season. Remember when we did the previews? I said I couldn't believe it. Now, to be fair, I'm not Nostradamus because I thought Portland should be favored. So, you know, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, NBA genius or anything. But I didn't see it with the Jazz. I didn't understand why Bogdanovich being added to the Jazz meant so much. But everyone who capped the Pacers didn't even factor it in at all as a loss, you know, and they had TJ Warren replacing him so easily. And you're looking at this team and, you know, Mike Conley was supposed to provide all these things that Ricky Rubio didn't. He can't shoot. So now, I mean, he's basically just what Ricky Rubio with a different haircut. I mean, it's just, I don't really see what this team's doing. That's got everyone so excited except for, you know, playing solid fundamental uh, basketball and having, you know, a, a coach that is, I think pretty good. The Jazz are tough. I don't know if I'm selling them. I'm definitely not buying them right now. I think the people, I'm selling them this week. They can get it together, but I think the people overestimated Mike Conley a little bit. I don't think that he's figured it yep. out. This is another team that's trying to find their identity. Actually, this team feels a lot like the Sixers to me. I don't think that they know what they are yet, but I have a little more mm. faith in the coach here to put it together. Don't you think that the Sixers though have like a better collection of individual talents? They do. The Sixers like are much more talented. If we were to sell offs, you can get way more for the Sixers pieces than you could for the Jazz. A hundred percent. The Sixers are more talented, but it's just that similar theme of a bunch of guys that don't seem to know how to play together yet. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. It's just weird how some guys just come in and and they just integrate seamlessly, right? And then other guys. You know, like Conley, he's just looked lost running that team. They looked better with Donovan Mitchell as their primary ball, ball handler last year. Um, and what do you think about Donovan Mitchell? Is he just one of those guys? Is he like Brandon Jennings where he had an awesome rookie year and he hasn't really done much since? Or am I just being a little too hard on him because I'm so results-oriented? He might be. It's, he does, Again, he doesn't seem like he got any better. He's in that list of guys yeah. that are just as good as when they started. Right. 
And he was pretty good to start. So, I mean, he's not a bad piece. He'll always be a good NBA player, at least a 10-year career. But um, as far as him being, you know, like a top 10 player or, you know, a difference maker or an MVP candidate that we maybe thought as a rookie, I'm not, I'm not really seeing that development. Now, how about the Thunder? They're the next team up here. It's amazing bye. to see them still. In the, so, ooh, bye. Go for it. Dude, they're playing great. And remember we talked about this, this five-man lineup? It's actually pretty darn good. When you watch who they close with, you know, obviously Schrader's a little weak on the defensive end, but they're really not that bad. They can stop you uh, at the point of attack because they have uh, Gilgis Alexander and Chris Paul, who are both good on-ball defenders. Steven Adams is a beast in the middle, and Gallinari provides a nice little scoring punch. This is a nice team. This is really a nice team. If they don't get beat up in those uh, min- the minutes, the reserve minutes in the beginning of the second and fourth quarter, um, they can really hang with anyone. I'm, I'm buying the Thunder. I can even see the Thunder sneaking into the eighth seed here. This is unbelievable. And if they do, wouldn't that be just so nice for uh, Chris Paul's little legacy? I mean, obviously, he's always going to have problems because losing to Steph and all that stuff. But if he gets his team uh, to the eighth seed, I think that really helps his case that he's just a solid basketball player who helps his team win. Well, spread. They don't have to sneak. They're already the seventh seed, and I think about this team the same way I think about it as the current eight seed, the Phoenix Suns. I don't know what to do with either one of these teams. I'm definitely not buying. I'm definitely. Oh, not I think selling. they're better than Phoenix. I think Oklahoma City might be better than Phoenix, but uh, I just I don't know what to do. Both these teams are are playing. I thought they could be good during the off season, but they they're much better mm-hmm. than I thought they could be. Oklahoma City seems to have more talent than I considered. Um, Phoenix seems to have had better additions and have been a lot more cohesive more quickly than I thought they could be. And both teams, I'm curious. I think I need another couple games or so, maybe another couple weeks to get a real opinion. But I think you're right. I would be on the Thunder and the Suns, frankly, more than I'd be against them. Yeah, so I'm not not as high on the Suns. I'm a sell on the Suns. I think that their numbers got ran up during their nice little run to start the season. So not everyone who's doing this by a model you know, has the Suns with all these good numbers, but I don't think those numbers are reflected in the play that we've seen on the court the past week. So I'm going to sell until they seem to get this back. All right, and I don't know if it's coming back. Well, we'll see. I'm a little more optimistic about maybe what they can do, but I think at this point maybe we've overcorrected and they're not quite as bad as we've seen pricing-wise the last few weeks. But you make a good point. I don't know if they're still a playoff contender from a bigger picture perspective i'm definitely not buying them um, that way now let's go through the rest of the teams here in the west buy or sell kings oh i'm so gee i'm so this is me (laughs) this is my emotional team i'm not really that good at capping them so you tell me what you think i i really i don't know i think i i think i skew negative just because they've burned me so many times when i believed in them i'm still waiting i'm still waiting for fox to come back i'm still waiting for bagley to come back I think we talked about this last week, if not the week before. Teams with clear paths to improvement are hard to find, and the Kings, simply by adding those two players, by those two guys getting healthy, have a chance to get much better than they are. So I'm not buying yet, but I'm waiting. Okay. Well, Bagley's back tonight. This is his first name, game back. And uh, I think I just saw he had five five points and three rebounds in the first 13 minutes in the first half. Um I don't know. I don't really know if I consider him that much of a difference maker. I think Fox is. I'm not sure Bagley is. But I think I might just hate him because he's not Luka Doncic. So <laughs> I might be unfair to Marvin Bagley. How about the Minnesota Wood Dogs? They have to be a buy, right? Didn't we get this team wrong? 
They're playing pretty good basketball. They're ten and fourteen. Yeah, but I thought they were going to be like five and nineteen. I thought they'd be about ten and fourteen. I'm lukewarm okay. on the Wolves. I'm not selling, but I'm not definitely not buying. Yeah, I think they played pretty well. But you have to remember my expectations were for them to be one of the worst teams in the league. How about the Blazers? In the West. In the West, of course. How about the Blazers? <sighs> okay, I mean, that's my mulligan. I completely got this wrong, right? I mean, they are not good. I continue just watching they're not good. I continue to be out and happy to back against them when they're on the road. Yeah. I avoid them a little bit when they're at home. They seem to play better there, just like anybody does, but... On the road, I'm happy to fade the, the Blazers. Yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on it earlier in the pod, but they've really screwed up getting rid of those wings, and they have so many problems defensively now that if they get behind, even though Lillard's like so awesome, they can't get stops, so they can't get comebacks. And you just watch them on the defensive end. Whiteside's not the player he used to be. That was just a huge mistake. Did they actually trade somebody for him? Uh, for I think wh- they did. For Whiteside, they did. Myers Leonard and um, I'm trying to remember what else, but Myers Leonard, I think, was the big piece. What a horrible idea. I mean, the guy, he can't do a pick and roll with Dame, right? So he looks weird and awkward in the pick. He has no pop, so he has to roll, and he's a terrible roll man. He's not He's not rotating on defense fast enough, so he's not really the rim protector that you, you would expect for the $28 million or whatever ridiculous number you're giving him. Um and I mean, it's just like, so it comes down to, it's almost like the Wizards of the East. Like you need uh, McCollum and, and Lillard to just outscore the other team and just, you know, hope that they miss because they're not getting any defensive stops. They're not putting defensive pressure on other teams. And Carmelo Anthony has been a fun story, but it's just like, okay, cool. Like he's scoring, but he's still not defending that well. And he's not the same rebounder he used to be. And they really need that rebounding. Like when they played OKC the other night, uh, they got just crushed on the glass. I mean, Stephen Adams was in there just eating them alive. So, um, you know, I might have to eat my uh, – definitely have to eat my words on this Blazers team, and I'm I, I'm a sell. I don't really see them coming back until they get some sort of continuity uh, with their forward rotation and their wing rotation. Now, my sneaky tank choice of the year, the team that I'm definitely <laughs> selling on, the San Antonio Spurs. I think wow. – uh, they they look rough. They look bad. Is this the year? It has to be, if ever. Uh, Marcus Aldridge looks washed. DeRozan has taken a DeRozan's huge step backwards. Good. I mean, he's not great defensively. Offensively, he's fine. He's I, I don't know if he's shooting a lot of plus. Good. I don't know if he's shooting a lot of plus EV shots. I think this might be the year where the Spurs finally try to look to move some players, pick up some picks, and, and maybe reset a little bit. I think it might be too. I think they actually have more fun trade possibilities than the Kevin Love one we did at the beginning. I think uh, Aldridge and DeRozan help more teams than than Love might. I don't think that that Aldridge is better than Love. I think DeRozan's a different player and maybe a little more interesting. But isn't Aldridge's contract uh, lower so we can move him a lot easier? Yeah, it's only two years. Um, Let me see what the money looks like. I think it's actually pretty similar to... I think it's like only 20 or 22. Let's see. So that means you can get get him for like two ten million dollar guys and some picks. So. No, he's twenty six. Loves twenty eight point oh, yeah. nine. So it's it's pretty close. Okay, my bad. My so bad. we're I'm selling the Spurs. Now. What do you think about the Grizzlies? Oh, boy, without Morant, they're pretty bad, aren't they? Yeah, once Morant comes back, I'll be happy to buy. But until then, I'm gonna pass. Yeah, they're they're pretty bad. And what do you think of Jaron Jackson this year? I don't. It's like he's still. You know, we were thinking, okay, he's gonna be better because it's his second year. 
he won't just get himself in foul trouble in the first four minutes of the game. And I mean, he's so awesome, and he gives us great highlights. But overall, I don't know how much I don't know how much he's really doing, and how much he's really improved since last year. What do you think of Jaron Jackson? I haven't seen him get too much better either. Again, it's tough to see with this team. They didn't make any real improvements. They haven't done a whole lot to push the team forward, but he hasn't gotten much better. He looked better with Morant. I think they were starting to get some chemistry together before he got hurt, but I'm going to withhold judgment till the end of the year. Yeah. So, yeah, Memphis to me is sell, sell, sell. They're like the Knicks of the West to me. They're just, right now without Morant, they're just, just kind of bereft of talent. I feel the same way about the Pelicans. I'm selling as much Pelicans as they can. Wow. I don't know if Zion's ever going to come back. And you know. Aren't they horrible? Can you believe that the Lakers got Anthony Davis for all that junk? I mean, Ingram's looked okay. He's looked better. But just the team itself, it's tough. It's a tough group. There's not – it's not deep. It's not talented. They're just not there's, good. there's not a lot there. I mean, Ingram's kind of scoring because there's a void, right? I mean, like, when the other team makes the ball, right, when it goes through the basket, the Pelicans automatically get the ball. So, you know, somebody's got to shoot it, and Ingram's doing it, and he's a pretty good scorer. And, I, th- you know, I've actually been improved with his, you know, impressed with his development. Um, but, boy, Lonzo, boy, talk about mulligans, right? I was wrong on him. I thought he was going to be so good coming out of college. I loved watching him at UCLA, and... He's just not getting better at all. I mean, the team's just terrible. They should be so much better. Like you look, they're a team. Like if you did a sell-off, I think you can get a lot for all their assets. You know, like individually, you you could see these individual players helping other teams. I don't understand what it is that they can't put it together, but they look bad. Now, finally, the Golden State Warriors. Actually, oh, wow. they don't quite have the worst record in the league, but they're close. Um. I think this is about as low as it gets for them. I wonder if they get better as the year goes along or they stay the same. I'm definitely not selling. I'm waiting to buy, but right now it's just a hold. And maybe you can help me. Where does this term gap year comes from? Because obviously out here on the West Coast, I follow a bunch of Warriors fans and stuff, and they're all talking about gap year. Like it's this concept that, we should, that we should, we're all used to. I've never heard of this idea of a gap year before. Have Th- you? This might be the oldest you've ever sounded. So this, okay, well, <laughs> it's, it's it's a relative. I'll take that as a compliment. Actually, <laughs> it's not too new of a concept, but people, you know, now that we've like realized who's had that, a gap year. Okay, it's a college concept, right? Instead of leaving high school right away to oh, go to college, okay. you take a gap year because you know maybe you don't know what you want to do and you don't want to sign up for a hundred thousand dollars worth of university expenses. So you kind of take a year, maybe get a job, maybe travel, take your gap year, kind of figure it out. It's what we've been talking about in the preseason, kind of their year off. So it's a real life term, not a sports term. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, that's probably why I'm so immersed in sports. Real life. Like, what's that? Okay. Thank you. That makes a lot more sense to me. See, it's a good thing that I talk to you young guys that keep me sharp. Oh, boy. Well, I think that's. I think you've, you've you've sort of figured out the Warriors. That's the spirit of this year. It's kind of a toss away. Maybe they'll get better at the in the second half of the year when some of these guys start to fit a little bit. Maybe Russell kind of pops, but until further notice, I will not be betting the Warriors. Oh, dude, I'm watching them right now. They're they're losing to your Knicks. That's right, my Knicks. <laughs> and I think that's a wonderful place to wrap things up. We did want to try to break down the games tomorrow, but I've only got lines for two of them. What do you think, Spread? Maybe we'll find some time for a quick scope tomorrow. Do you want to do the scope tomorrow or Friday? 
Let's do it tomorrow. There's got four games. We'll break those down. Maybe we'll do another one Friday anyway, if time permits. But let's let's shoot for tomorrow. Yeah, that'd be cool. Awesome. All right, cool. Then we so we don't need to do those tonight, and we'll plan on a scope tomorrow. Excellent. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you got some good knowledge on our thoughts for teams this next week and kind of the rest of the season. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at NetworthPod. We love a rating or review on whatever app you're using. And in your up spread. Good luck in all your wagers. <laughs>